It's episode 17 of the ER Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Hammonds, Director of Profit from ERP. And today, we're going to talk about a hidden danger which is lurking underneath the surface at thousands of companies. We're uncovering a danger that distorts information for managers, bloats staffing budgets, and costs companies millions every year. I'm talking specifically today about companies that are anywhere larger than $5 million in annual revenue. And that hidden danger? It's QuickBooks. Right. If you're running QuickBooks in a company over $5 million, you're, you're doing it wrong. And here's the really scary thing. In most cases, the added labor, workarounds, excess data entry means that you're actually paying more in hidden costs than it would cost to upgrade to real ERP. I'm not kidding. That's, that's scary. Today's guest, Mark Lee, CPA, put it very succinctly. We talked about QuickBooks. He said, it's just a false sense of security. And we'll hear more from Mark himself later on. But for now, let's talk about what we mean by hidden danger. QuickBooks was written to be a bookkeeping system for people who didn't understand accounting. And in that garage-based startup for that mom-and-pop business, as we always say, QuickBooks works fine in a mom-and-pop business as long as mom can trust pop. But really, when you're really, really small, QuickBooks is great. It's fine. Now, here's the thing. You can pick up a copy of QuickBooks at Costco for around $300 or use the online version, whatever. But then, are you going to have a qualified gap accounting process set up on your QuickBooks system by a professional consultant? Those consultants run about $225 an hour average rate. And that usually doesn't happen to set up a $300 program. So things like segregation of duties gets missed and you end up with a system where anybody can go in, invent a new vendor with themselves as the payee, enter a PO, book an invoice, cut a check, then go erase the vendor, the PO, the invoice, the check record. We see this all the time in forensic CPA work. And then there's the incredible expense of QuickBooks. You say, what? Now I'm going to call a $300 program expensive? Well, the thing is, it takes a lot of work to do the things QuickBooks doesn't quite do. As business gets busier, it's really easy to add one more person into the business office to help get the invoices out on time. And then add another one for new reporting for the investors. Pretty soon, you have 13 people in a QuickBooks office where an equivalent ERP staff might run six. That's seven extra people a year. And that roughly turns into about $350,000 in annual labor to avoid going with the $50,000 ERP system. (laughs) Now, of course, when you add them one person at a time, it doesn't seem like that much. But after a few years, $350,000 annually starts to add up. And then there's the reporting. You're growing a business, it's really never had a solid accounting handle on the entire cost structure, so it's kind of hard to know what you're missing. But you can take your team of crack managers and then give them some really sorry reports, some late data, and just missing a bunch of key information. All of that might not have been critical back when it was mom and pop in the garage with a shelf of inventory. But now you've got warehouses, trucks, hundreds of customers. You need to understand where the financial answers are. And even if you're using 20 or 30 spreadsheets along with QuickBooks, don't even want to mention the labor there, the worst part is your managers don't have the whole story. It's all on today's show, the ER Podcast with CPA Mark Lee. And we don't want to say he's overly successful, 
but he has figured out how to do just a few tax returns and live in Maui, so <laughs> he's got to be on the right track somehow. Actually, Mark has applied his accounting trade all over the world, starting out with Deloitte, uh, working in the oil and gas industry. He's had postings in New York, London, Dubai, and along the way, helping out with a few ERP selections for his clients and implementation a time or two. We're also going to let you know how to get into your initial ERP system for less than it would take to hire that next person for the accounting office. Share some real world stories today and more. It's all coming up on episode 17 of the ER podcast, QuickBooks, The Hidden Danger. Today's podcast is being brought to you by NCO. NCO is one of the leading NetSuite partners in the nation with NetSuite's highest five-star designation. And they've been doing some great work with NetSuite implementations over the years, earning their spot as a top 10 nationwide partner. Now, back when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, there were quite a few companies who were severely impacted by their inability to connect with their ERP systems in any meaningful way. One thing about that lockdown is it really highlighted the pitfalls of traditional ERP systems. So in response, NCO came up with this really dramatic offer. They would implement NetSuite financials, just the core financials, within 60 days, a complete remote implementation project at, at a price around $45,000. Now that includes first-year software licensing, implementation, and training protocol, 60 days, 45000 Companies could expand the NetSuite footprint in the future as they needed. So today, we're talking about QuickBooks, and as we've mentioned, QuickBooks doesn't do everything, and most companies compensate by overhiring and managing that forest of spreadsheets. Well, given NCO's rapid deployment, low-cost solution, you can actually implement NetSuite for less than the cost of one additional full-time employee. And it would probably take you 60 days to go through that hiring process anyway. We checked with NCO regarding the COVID rapid deployment plan, and we're pleased to be able to make this offer for profit from ERP clients who are looking to move off QuickBooks. To find out more about this limited time offer, contact us via email at info at profitfromerp.com, and we'll help you through all the details. Remember, it's a financials-only NetSuite launch. You can, of course, add anything and everything later, but have the system just grow with your business. It's a great start, thanks to NCO. Welcome back to the show. We want to take a minute and introduce our guest, Mark Lee CPA. I've known Mark for years. And, you know, some decades ago, my career fell into software technology and ERP-related matters. Mark became a CPA, which uh, opened a lot of doors for him and would end up taking him all over the world. So before we jump totally into today's topic, the QuickBooks big mistake or bad idea topic, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career in high finance with powerful companies? Thanks for having me in today, Gene, on the Profit from ERP podcast. Um, as you mentioned, I got my start in finance and accounting at uh, Deloitte in Houston. Uh, I had worked for my family uh, for about a decade or so before coming uh, becoming a CPA and uh, getting getting uh, hired by Deloitte. Um, in the years in between, then uh, I left Deloitte about three years after getting there and became um, an independent consultant for several years, and then helped uh, start a fairly large consulting firm that did. Uh, that did financial controls consulting around the Sarbanes-Oxley um, uh, legislation. And we did mostly Fortune 500 companies. Um, so about five years ago, I moved out to Maui 
uh, to be near uh, my daughter out here. And I ended up just becoming a traditional, a more traditional CPA. I've been a CPA for years, but uh, doing a lot of tax work out here. And um, But uh, during my career, I was involved in uh, several handfuls of uh, ERP selections and implementations. Well, that's good. That's good. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of stories over the years from, from different companies uh, with different pieces of software. Well, um, I've seen just about all of them. And, um, it's, it's interesting, um, to, to see how they influence, um, how a shop works, how an accounting shop works. One of the things that uh, we used to notice is some shops are what you might say, you know, at, at ease with, with the tools that they're using and other shops just, just aren't. And, and when you observe that, you know, we frequently and and there's you know there's usually some fairly obvious reasons for that to the consultant but perhaps not to the client right you know, because if you struggle with something long enough um, the struggle becomes normal that's just that's that's just how we do business well today's episode I wanted to talk about you know it's, it's it's we're not trying to sell one piece of software over another or anything like that there's just been some changes in the market and there are a lot of companies that end up very large depending upon QuickBooks. And there's some hidden costs there that people don't think about. You came up with a statement uh, we were talking some time ago that that people have a false sense of security from QuickBooks. And, you know, QuickBooks has its place. I mean, there's no doubt about it. In one of my earlier studios, uh, when I was a one-man production house back in the, the 80s, I was running QuickBooks, and it wasn't till later, till I got into ERP type software. I think this would be about 2004, and there was this county hospital in northern Arizona. They'd been running QuickBooks, and we had this fund accounting software that did well in in healthcare related operations. And their staff, their nonprofit staff, must have looked at demos for a year before finally kind of throwing up their hands and doing nothing. Which happens? Oh, they did the. Uh, I've have seen that before. <laughs> Let's get this done. Yeah. And and uh, you have twenty percent of your staff spending uh, ten hours a week on it, and then you find out how much it costs, and uh, and then you stop. And nothing happens. And nothing happens. Yes. So these guys called me back eighteen months later, right? Say, how quick can you get up here? And it, you know, Prescott's nice, and so here here I go. Thinking, ah, uh, we're going to do this again, another long, drawn-out round of endless demos. And, and But within a week, within a week, they'd approve the purchase, sign contracts for the new software, surprising the pants off me and everybody else who heard about it. And later, during the implementation, I take the controller aside and I say, hey, you know, when, when we were working on this before, it was over a year, then nothing. This time, we're done within a week. What happened? And she told me they'd had an embezzlement scandal. Can you imagine that? Mm. They, had a, they had a guy actually going into QuickBooks, creating new vendors with himself as the payee. He'd mock up a, P, a PO, a purchase order. Then he'd create an invoice. Then he'd cut himself a check. Then he would erase the PO, the invoice, the, all of it. And there was no trace of it. They were classic, classic technique. <laughs> they were pretty sure he'd gotten away with about $5 million over a couple of years before they even noticed anything was wrong. And that was why QuickBooks was so dangerous. Back then, there was no segregation of duties, no keystroke log. I think they've got those now, but people don't 
normally set those up. I mean, have you run into that? Well, you know, uh, companies have a, a tendency to start out small and get big. And as they're getting big, um, they don't pay attention to security until something right. like this happens, you know, and unfortunately, uh, frequently there has to be a precipitating event. Um, I worked a case, uh, a forensics case, uh, once in Houston, it was an oil field services company that had grown fairly quickly to be about a hundred million dollar company. And they had the legacy bookkeeper there who was not a trained accountant. And she had people there that were trained accountants, but they were still using QuickBooks. They were running a hundred million or so in revenues through this thing. They had a bolt-on inventory system. Um, they had several other bolt-on systems. Anyway, the point is it was kind of a mess from an IT standpoint. And, you know, uh, you know what's coming, right? Uh, a million and a half dollars later, uh, they called us in. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up uh, getting a software selection <laughs> gig out of it because, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was ugly. And, um, you know, you can't blame everything on QuickBooks, but I just think I would say as a, as a general, uh, as a general observation, um, if you're doing more than about $50 million in business every year and you're still using QuickBooks, you have a variety of problems, some of which you may not even be aware of. I did some work with a CPA firm last year and, and uh, the conflict of interest rules. They want everybody in the firm to know every new contract or, or what's going on. And you would see the forensic accounting court cases come through where QuickBooks was mentioned again and again and again. It's... I mean, mm. it's a large yeah. national problem. Well, and, and another thing, again, and I mentioned briefly a moment ago, is is all the bolt-ons that are necessary. If you've got a $5 million shop with a, with a single line of business and a reasonably competent bookkeeper, you know, particularly maybe if they have a, uh, an accounting degree, you know, QuickBooks is, uh, that's kind of what QuickBooks is made for, you know. And as you grow, QuickBooks... Uh, doesn't really have any operable modules. And when a company gets larger, they start having to handle um, uh, different types of accounting problems. And a lot of that uh, has to do with inventory, especially manufacturing. Um, there's not, uh, it, it's, it's hard to see how a $50 million company cobbles together everything it needs with QuickBooks in the center and is not leaking money. That's been my experience. They, they started out, the program was, here's bookkeeping for people that don't understand accounting. And they've come out with things like a keystroke log, and but, you know, you've got to turn that on. Who, use, who uses right, it? Right, right. you got to yeah. set it up. I mean, you got to remember, this is a legacy software program that started out in the late 90s. And back then, think of the computer you were using in 1996. I mean, it has that kind of yellow plasticky stuff that was on it and and enough disk space that, you know, we, we thought a gigabyte was something we'd never be able to afford. I mean, if you had a keystroke log back then, it would eat up all your disk space. So it's... It, right, it, right. You didn't, have the, uh, you didn't have the computing power to actually run something. Right, like right. And so, you know, I cruised down to 
Costco and pick up a copy of QuickBooks along with, uh, uh, you know, large sizes of too much food. And I'm not going to go out and get somebody that's a professional consultant that has CPA lineage, that has software knowledge to come in and set up all of those keystroke logs and all of those different things. I just paid 300 bucks for this. I'm going to set it up myself. Well, I think in the, in the, in the, uh, in the case that you did attempt to do that, your consultant, if he was uh, on his toes, would not take your money for setting up uh, a QuickBooks or a QuickBooks system like that, because it's, it's generally just not a good idea. There's too much software out there that actually works with its own modules. Right. Um, to be using QuickBooks if you if you need outside modules in your accounting system. Right. And, you know, and then I, I talk to these companies and I say, you know, QuickBooks, it, it, there's a lot of risk there. You need to know that. And they say, oh, Gene, Gene, uh, we have some really good people here. And they're not the kind of people that do something like that. And I think, you know, there's actual trillions of dollars lost worldwide accounting fraud every year. I mean, not just QuickBooks, but in total accounting fraud. And... Nobody hired those guys that, that ended up embezzling money saying, hey, this guy's a slime bucket, but we're going to keep a close eye on him. You know, they thought he was a nice yeah, I, guy, I, too. I, I, I've never been introduced to a staff accountant uh, and said, uh, you know, this is our, our, our guy here and he's a thief. Right? <laughs> everybody thinks everybody thinks and, and, and I do. I've run accounting shops before. Um, you know, you do what you but here's the point, Gene. Um, the, the, the company I mentioned, uh, a moment ago, the oil field services company, the bookkeeper there had literally been the CEO's babysitter, Really, um, you know, decades before, and that's how they had formed a relationship. And so, uh, you can imagine his, uh, his surprise to find out that, uh, she had clipped him for all that money. And so, in the controls business, the only thing you really need to worry about is, is the accountant competent? You probably shouldn't even really have much of an opinion on whether he's honest or not, other than just a general opinion that he's honest, because it doesn't matter if your controls are set up properly. You'll catch him if he's not. You know, so it's, it's, it's really kind of a, it's a risk, assuming right. it, it's a risk having that sort of opinion of your accounting employees. And it's been a few years since I've hired a babysitter, but I generally didn't leave a few million sitting on the table and say, Hey, get the kid to bed by eight 30, you know? Well, which, which is another, you know, which is another thing that facilitates a lot of fraud is that, is that trust, you know? Um, right. You, you wouldn't leave a hundred million dollars sitting out on the table, but you'd leave your kid out there. Right. And so, um, it, 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 it's probably more valuable. Well, it's, it's, but it's different. It's, it's human nature to, to, uh, to trust people. It's also human nature, um, with, with some humans, a surprisingly large number of them. Uh, it's, it's human nature to take things from people that don't belong to you. And what happens, right. it's a classic story. You know, they start out stealing dimes and they end up stealing, hundred dollar bills and then they end up stealing real money and uh, right so absolutely we, we always well, we, we always have a strong objection to that attitude so that's the main risk factor there with quickbooks here's another situation 
If you're a company of any complexity, and as you grow, you're going to get more complex, reporting out of QuickBooks gets hard. I mean, you're having to export data to spreadsheets, combine numbers from separate QuickBooks databases, that sort of thing. And with these other complexities, there's a lot that happens in spreadsheets outside of QuickBooks, even before you enter it into QuickBooks. Replacing QuickBooks is expensive. You know, a, a mid-market accounting package like Sage 100 might be 10000 or 20000 And going all the way to an ERP like NetSuite or Intact could, could you know, be 50 k for a starter system. So it's a very easy decision to hire one more person in the business office to keep up with the spreadsheet workload. And before you know it, a few years have passed and you've got 13 people in accounting. And, you know... And you need about six if you have adequate right. software. Yeah, Right. And then you go and you try to talk to that CEO and you tell him, hey, you've been spending $350,000 in excess labor every year in your accounting department. I, I presented that paper to the controller and, and he made sure I never got anywhere near the CEO. He didn't want them to know about that. Well, um, that, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, uh, nobody wants to spend any money on accounting and no accountant wants to admit that he has not optimized uh, the accounting function. And it's difficult to optimize an accounting function um, with QuickBooks. If you're a company of, of any, you know, a, a, reg, a middle market company, we'll define that as, as 50 million and above. Um, with QuickBooks, uh, you know, you can never reach what, what I refer to as an abacus point, where everyone top to bottom in the executive suite is comfortable with the numbers. Um, and that's when you know you're in, you're somewhere that doesn't, you don't need to sell them anything. If you go in and, and discuss top to bottom with a company, um, and they're all comfortable with the numbers, and the accounting staff is uh, is comfortable with what they're doing, then they're in good shape. I've never seen that with QuickBooks because it's just it's if a company has any scale, it's typically a mess, and you've got you know uh, four different spreadsheets on each account, and it it just it it would get away from you, but if you keep hiring people, you can put them in charge of the spreadsheets and. I've seen that time after time. Let's take a short break from our interview with Mark Lee CPA, but do stay tuned. Coming up, some interesting stuff. The methodology that we use and publish at Profit from ERP, Mark Lee reiterates how important some of those processes are, and he's come to that conclusion completely independently. He's seen disasters in some major public companies that took on ERP by themselves. It's pretty interesting, so stay tuned for that. Let's talk just a second about profit from ERP itself. As we said, QuickBooks, great for startups, but when it's time to move forward, profit from ERP is your resource. We talk a lot about NetSuite, a leading internet era ERP, but we also work with the Microsoft Dynamics products, Sage Intact, Sage X3, N4 products, SAP B1, and other great ERP products because there's just certain industries that need a different software design approach. So we're 
software agnostic. And if you're looking to move up, don't go it alone. Give us a call. There's never any charge for an initial consultation. We'll get some information on your business. We'll do some research. We'll come back with recommendations of the ERP systems you should be looking at, at the price points that you're interested in, as well as recommend some top profit from ERP affiliate resellers and implementation partners to help you along the way. Listen, with ERP, it all sounds good in the beginning. Great demos, excited salespeople, flashy features, wonderful software, donuts if you're lucky. But while profit from ERP can be right there with you in those demos, we really get to work with our clients after the sale when the ERP is live and we're measuring how our clients actually do achieve their project goals, whether they actually do profit from ERP. We're on your side of the table, so contact us today. Email is best, info at profitfromerp.com or go to the website, www.profitfromerp. That part's all squished together, profitfromerp.com. And get ready for it. Here's a new tagline. Profit from ERP. Our clients make ERP pay. <laughs> I'm obviously easily amused. Anyway, back to the interview. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Mark Lee, CPA, is with me from Maui, Hawaii, Beautiful Maui, Hawaii today, where, where uh, I don't know, what happens in Maui, Mark? Well, what happens in Maui is uh, I have a, a nice little tax practice here. And um, if you would like for me to do your taxes, it comes along with a deduction to come out and meet me in Maui for a couple of weeks and discuss them. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that's, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but it's a feature not many other CPAs offer. I got it. Got to hand that to yes. you. Yes. Um, but, it, but it has been interesting out here, Gene. Um, there's precisely one public company on Maui. Wow. And uh, it's called Maui Land and Pineapple. <laughs> and they don't they don't grow pineapples anymore. Um, interesting. But, you know, my my point there is that uh, my uh, career has changed a lot since since coming out here. But um, the um, the ERP work that 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 I've done at the tail end uh, before I moved out here, I started noticing um, that the systems that were that were Internet era systems. uh, Right. Were just. Well, for obvious reasons, if you have a piece of software that's uh, that you've had in development and production and sales for 25 years, I'm not sure when QuickBooks came out. Um, had to be late 80s. It had to be late say. 80s. Yeah, that's when I yeah. had that other studio. Right. Um, and then now they've got a cloud version, which, again, it's another problem I have with QuickBooks is uh, at this point, the cloud version doesn't work as well as the legacy version. Right. Um, and well, the, 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 they, they almost make it impossible for you to stay with the legacy version. It's right. just gotten so the, the desktop version has gotten so clunky. Um, it's just, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing trying to run a $50 million company on QuickBooks because you have to spend a lot more time, effort and money uh, on your accounting shop and right. it's 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 you know better than i do it's a difficult concept to get across uh, but this is one of the 
absolute most value-packed propositions that you can spend money on in the administration part of a business. Acknowledging that no one, I mean, people have a bias against spending money in an expense center. I, I absolutely understand that. Um, so it's so it's part of uh, your job, uh, my job, if I'm working on an implementation uh, to uh, to let them get some some scale of the value that can be offered by spending that kind of money. And this stuff typically is not all that cheap. Well, it's important, and you need to you need to factor that into any intelligent buying decision. I mean, the guy on the shop floor knows what he can do with a new bread slicer and, and how many loaves per hour he can produce and everything like that. You need to go through and you need to look at, as we move into this internet era, as we move into modern software that was created in the internet era, and as we move into real cloud software, you know, there's a difference between taking an old piece of spaghetti code, traditional software, and hosting a, a web version of it and calling it cloud versus something that was written in the internet era, you know, for the internet and, and you know, has multi-tenant. It's already up there and running. You just subscribe to it and turn it on day one. It's there, you know, two months later and you've got everything up and running. I mean, there's so many advantages to being able to do that. It's just easier to work with and, 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 People don't always understand how much benefit that brings to the company versus a QuickBooks system where you're, it's, it's actually more than just two generations old. With QuickBooks accounting, you're looking for a piece of paper that's a receipt and you put in what happened from that receipt. With ERP, you're taking that transaction the minute it comes through the back door door and is delivered to your warehouse and somebody's inspecting it and putting it into the, the, the uh, system that this just arrived. We got 24 of them like we ordered and here they are, that type of right. thing, instead of somebody and, and, doing after the fact accounting. Right. And in a, in a, uh, a smaller accounting shop with, uh, say, if, say, if they're running QuickBooks, that uh, the, the typical controller, that would be anathema to, uh, you know, having some guy on the factory floor with a terminal or, or a, uh, a laptop these days. No, what am I thinking of? A, uh, um, help me out. iPad. iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some, somebody with a, with a handheld device, uh, entering, entering literal accounting data on the shop floor, which you and I know is the way it's done now. You know, right, you, you right. push down as much bean counting as you can to the folks who are, actually at the at the uh, the very beginning of the accounting event you know and things end up being more accurate rather than less when you do that and right. it's difficult for for uh, a controller who's not been exposed to that before to to, to really latch on to that idea well you know quickbooks you've got one module it's the accounting system and then you tell some of these controllers yeah uh harvey down there on the shop floor is going to be entering numbers and they you know the first thing that runs through their mind is harvey doesn't know how to code things for the general ledger you know and it's like harvey's Har a bread slicer <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and but harvey's not going to be in the gl he's got just a couple of screens that he's in and the closer you are to that transaction the more accurate you know and have you seen harvey's writing i think he writes half of these things in crayola yeah. uh, by the yeah. time and we, get and we used to bring those in we used to bring the the harvey's tickets in once a week yeah. and enter them then and yeah 
And and there's you know we're we're picking on Harvey and and the papers, uh, but you just see that over and over and over again. And in accounting, I think more than almost any other business function, people tend to want to stay with what they're doing yeah. because account accounting is complex. It's easy to 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 screw things up in accounting and. If you've finally gotten it the way you want it, um, it's it's a, it's a tough sell. Right. It's an especially tough sell if you say, you know what, you you really don't have this thing down as much as you think you do. And here's a question, right? When you're in a, a modern system like a Netsuite or anything like that, I've I've heard people that are Netsuite users and you know they brag about it, saying, I can report on any number I can see, and then. More often, I hear from users of old traditional software, every time we needed a new report, we had to call this guy in and he had to write new code for it. And it just took forever. And then it really didn't give us what we want. I mean, or when, or perhaps you had a download function and, yeah. and, an, and a spreadsheet guy. Yeah. And he re, he really ended up screwing things up. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the idea, I mean, talk about, you know, if I've got accurate numbers and I know what my costs are from the supply chain, from here, from there, and all of that type of thing, how much better can I run my business? How much more effective are my managers? One of the things about managing growth um, in, a, in a company is that the information flow uh, very often does not keep up with the growth of the company. And you end up at the accounting shop will end up doing uh, a lot of uh, acrobatics and gymnastics and spreadsheets. And you're introducing errors uh, or, or potential errors every time that you have to do something with the data coming out of the software that it, it doesn't have a function for. And, and, and that's my biggest um, that's that's my biggest beef with with QuickBooks is it, it doesn't really do much of anything except accounting. Right. And if if it does do something else, it's as a result of typically an expensive bolt on. <laughs> and, and, and if it's and if it's not expensive, then it doesn't work well. Right. You know. Right. That's the thing. I mean, one of the things that that, you know, we, we would go into a, uh, some of these fast food and not fast food, frozen food manufacturers, and they're making all these different products. You know, enchiladas take this kind of labor and, and mashed potatoes take that kind of labor. At the end of the month, they would know they were making money overall, but what we found out was like 5 to 7% of, of everything they produced, they were losing money on. And if they could cost down to that level and see what they're losing money on, they can stop doing yeah, that. Good. Get, get rid of the broccoli and potatoes and uh, concentrate on beef. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. The, so you could go out and you could sell that capacity to somebody else. But the real savings was what the guy said to me. Now, maybe I don't need to build that new plant add on that I was going to spend $60 million on next year for another couple of years. If I've got 10% more capacity with what I've got today, you know, I mean, it's hard to put that number in against the cost of replacing QuickBooks, but that's the kind of thing that comes out of it. Extremely hard um, to to make that comparison. 
and uh, again, you're 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 fighting against a legacy attitude on that because you know a lot of these, uh, you know, manufacturing shop. Um, there's a lot of data. They've spent a lot of time developing inefficient ways of manipulating that data to get out of it what they want. Right. And you know that the sad part of it is they're still not getting there because the 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 granularity of what they're able to offer their their managers and their manufacturing people is just not there. You literally can't do the sort of things with QuickBooks, even if even if you've spent a million dollars on bolt-ons, you know, right, right. Uh, there's nothing like an integrated system that has its own uh, operational modules. And, and you made a very, very important point. Um, stuffing a bunch of legacy, you know, desktop code onto the cloud. Uh, yeah, spaghetti code in the cloud is just about as effective as spaghetti code on a server. And another thing that Talking about cloud software and Intuit, QuickBooks specifically, I've seen this more than more than a few times. Uh, people migrate to the cloud system, and you know, as you say, it was, you know, it's, there's spaghetti software stuffed in there. They migrate to the cloud system. They can't get it right. They go back to the old desktop system, and you want to talk about a waste of money and resources and time. Uh, and a lot of times that's, you know, that can cost half or three quarters of what it costs to put a decent ERP system. in. I think the main point we want to leave people with is, is that, you know, we can come in and we can, we could, a big company has 40 or 50 people in it and they have three or four different business analysts that do nothing but figure out does the next $10 million version of Oracle work for us. And they can come up with an answer eventually. But for the mid-market, they don't have that. That's why they've got profit from ERP. We can come in, we can sit down, we can go over all these numbers, we can dig into the numbers and, and dig into the different departments, and we can come back and say, hey, you know, this is how much money you could make with a new ERP system. This is the cost you could avoid. This is the revenue enhancements you could have. And the best thing of all, as consultants, we go away at the end of that process. The thing about consultants is, though, I'll mention this. Having having worked on you know more than one software implementation, um, if if a software implementation fails, it's not usually uh, because of the software selection. It's because of the installation and the conversions, and uh, you know it can be it can be pretty complex. And if you don't get the right people in there, uh, SAP won't work. You know. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that's you know a profit from ERP. We work with people resellers that we worked with time and time again and we plan to work with time and time again after that so if a, a project goes south with us we can go back in and go you know dude you don't get this fixed you're not getting the next 10 deals that come your way type thing so there's a little leverage there that that uh we play on on behalf of our clients that uh you know i'll mention something that i thought of when you said that uh, there used to be very, very large shops like Accenture or, or Anderson before then. Right. A lot right. of implementations. And uh, our guys, I, I used to run a company called Serious Solutions in Houston. We were about, I don't know, we had about a couple of hundred consultants. Software selection and implementation uh, wasn't, wasn't our main business. Um, but we took over at least three 
um, didn't take them over. We came in and repaired um, installations that had been done by, I don't want to pick on it. Well, I can pick on Arthur Anderson because it's gone there. <laughs> but Anderson was was kind of a, the one that we had run into. But you, you can see this in any. The point I'm trying to make is uh, a company like Profit from ERP, uh, you don't have enough scale to act like that. You know, if 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 Anderson right. screws up an implementation, they're still Anderson, you know. Uh, so right. Right. Um, and I, I learned this a, a while back is that it all depends on the internal committee that's implementing the software. Oh, God. Yes. And that's why, uh, you know, I, I copied everything I could from people that were very successful with it and lay out that methodology. And what's surprising as a consultant, and I never knew this before I got into consulting, there are clients that they're kind of going, ah, we don't think that's important. And, you know, I, I started checking off parts of these methodologies as things that will always come back to bite you wherever things bite you. Always. <laughs> Certain things always. You know, and and yeah. so if we're in a situation and the client says, ah, we really don't think we need to do a site visit and, and check this out. It's like, okay, you know, it's your money. Uh, but you know, let's, let's remember the best way to do it is, is to take that site visit and go, go make some more contacts and see people that are really doing it really live and, and, and in person. If you, if you, if you trust your implementer, which if you don't, don't hire him, obviously, but if you trust uh, your implementer, I I would say as almost as a blanket statement, that it's it's really hard to spend too much money on implementation. Obviously, it's possible, but um, spending generously on implementation, um, no one has to come back and fix it. Um, right. The, right, 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 the, right. It, it works well from day one. Uh, it's easier to train people when you've done a lot of the things that the consultants suggest. And, and I understand there's 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 pushback and, and a lot of that is healthy. People don't want to get sold services that they don't really need, which is why it's very important to develop uh, good trust with your implementer, because there are people who will sell you things that, that you don't need. And, it's all uh, in the project management. You know, you've got to manage those projects. Well, but, and one last thing, uh, you mentioned the uh, the internal committee running uh, the software installation that is as important generally, if not more important than uh, the consultants you bring in. So, and, and so I think building that team right and, and setting the expectations of that team from day one, uh, I mean, from day one are so very important. If you're going to, you know, ERP can, can put five to 7% on your bottom line for the next five to seven years and people start running those numbers and they go, huh, let's see over a couple of years, that's three million over there. That's $7 million. I mean, you're talking about a, right. a, a $7 million sitting on the table and you can take a little bit of that 7 million or you can take a lot of it, or you can take the whole bunch of it and put it in your pocket. It's just how you approach this process that determines whether, you know, how profitable it is. See, that's the thing. We don't sell the software. We don't sell the services. We just sell the profit from ERP. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, I worked that you out, know, right? it's, it's, uh, it's difficult for uh, a guy running a business 
who is trying to figure out whether he's going to spend $2 million implementing a new accounting software for a company that's already profitable. And, but here's the thing, Gene, here's the thing. This stuff has been selling and selling well for about 15 years now. 20 years, right. I mean, you know, true ERP, I guess, started uh, 20, 20 or so years or so ago. But um, people wouldn't implement this if it didn't work. Uh, most of these right. major software uh, uh, brands do put out, uh, you know, either that or they go out of business. And again, I'm going to circle back around to say this is why uh, the selection of the implementer and the selection of the internal committee is is of paramount importance because, you know, these the good quality software that's out there. Uh, it's not a question of right. which one's better or which one's worse. It's it's a question of which one is best for you. Um, yeah. And, and so the um, the variable is the expertise you use to put it in or to install. Absolutely. It. Absolutely. Well, that sounds good. Well, our time's running short here. Uh, need to wrap up, and, and I really do want to appreciate. Uh, I tell you, I appreciate your your coming on, Mark, and and being able to add a little bit from your expertise. You've seen things from a different angle with some bigger companies and things like that, but uh, the same principles work uh, in the small companies as well. And hopefully, we can we can help them out and get them off of QuickBooks and. And get them into the digital age. Drag them kicking and screaming into at least the 20th century. And and then... (laughs) There we go. Thanks again. Appreciate your help. Have a great one. Great coming in, Gene. Appreciate you having me on Profit for ERP today. Thanks again for listening to the ER Podcast. And special thanks to Mark Lee CPA. I'm your host, the Director of Profit from ERP, Gene Hammonds. We've gone a little bit long on today's podcast, so if you stuck by us this long, you must have heard something you liked. So now, why don't you go on to Apple Podcasts and like us there so that other people can discover the ER podcast. And tell a friend, too. And post a link on social media outlet of your choice. We're going fast. Thanks to all the support we've gotten so far, and we appreciate it. Remember, it's profit from ERP. Our clients make ERP pay.